Hey, Stephen, this is Ineash. Hey, Ineash, this is Stephen. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I hear that the uh, We Want More Superman thing is all wrapped up. And by here, I mean I listened to the last episode and I was sad that there wasn't any more. I was going to say, you'd better clarify that you listened to it. So <laughs> Yes, I did. Alas, it is it is done. We tend to still have planned another show, but I think the release date will probably be like release date and location to be determined. Uh, the name, unfortunately, uh, the placeholder he seemed to like because he was like, no, I think I like the We Want More vibe. And oh because, no! Is it going to be we want Dick? <laughs> uh, basically, I told him I was, nice because uh, well, I that's what he he. All right, so I was like, well, if we're if we're doing that, you know, the obvious guess would be we want more Dick, and because <laughs> the author is still Dick, right? Yeah. And he thought that was hilarious and said, no, we're doing that. And I was like, I don't want to, but it's your show. We do whatever you want. So <laughs> it might be called we want more Dick. I'm, I'm not sure that more is still doing work at this point. That's true. Because Philip K. Dick is not really known for, you know, being a rationalist writer, but eh, I guess it fits the naming convention. I, yeah, we'll we'll see what becomes of that. I'd like a, a less ridiculous name, but we'll have to see. <laughs> anyway, what's this, what's this named? What are we doing here? Hey, okay. So, um, the, uh, I, I originally, when you started up doing the, we want, um, more, uh, thing, you said that. Uh, it would be great to do something with me, but like there was nothing at the time that I was super excited about to analyze like that. And while you were in the middle of doing that with Brian, I started reading Worth the Candle, and I was maybe 15 chapters in uh, when I said, oh my god, this is the thing that I want to do with Steven, and uh, I have pitched this to you, and what did you say when you heard me pitch this to you? Uh, some version of Hell Yes. Yes, that was basically it. Uh, so we are going to be doing the We've Got Worms slash We Want More thing, except for Worth the Candle, which is Alexander Wales's uh, still-in-progress web fiction um, that is, well, that is hard to summarize, and I'm going to be spending this intro episode like just talking to you about it and setting it up so that we can get right into things in our first episode next week. Yeah, I mean, the... the whatever amount of, of entry you think I need. I mean, so here's the three things I know about it. One, it's huge. Um, yes. It's, so, it's currently, it's about a little more than twice the size of methods of rationality and it's not done yet. Twice the size of methods of rationality. Yes. It should be. It's, I think it's more than two thirds done at this point. So at okay. the end, it'll be about three times the size of methods of rationality. Well, so, I mean, if we want to cover it at the same pace as we did MOR, we'll be looking at, three years um, i'm thinking that sounds reasonable yes all right i you know so i mean you know splitting up pace wise will be up to you as far as hosting stuff so we'll be the one pretending you know who doesn't know what's happening um and then of course you'll be able to read ahead when chapters come out and i won't um right. i strongly anticipate that at any release schedule is it on a schedule or is it as a like when he wants to release it basis Currently, it's a when he wants to release it basis. He usually releases in large chunks. Like the last release was, I think, uh, six or seven chapters all at once, which, you know, it, it was a large chunk of writing. That was obviously the work of several months, and he just released it all in one day so that we would have a, a single arc to read instead of being, you know, left on the edge of our seats for weeks at a time between each chapter. Right on. Yeah, I wonder, this will be an interesting experience too, because there hasn't been one like this where you know basically everything that happens because you're two thirds through. Mm -hmm. um, but like you won't have the full story context to talk about from the beginning in mysterious, non-spoiler ways. So that's yes. interesting. Um, and 
I also plan to, because I started, when I realized that I wanted to do this with you, because I was so excited about the story, I started taking notes as I was reading. So there's going to be a bunch of times when I may say something like, when I was reading this, this is what I was thinking. And that does not necessarily mean that this is what happens. It's just going to be what my guess was at the time. So, you know, I, I will tell you that don't think of that as a spoiler, because I did not know what was going to be happening when I wrote that down. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I th- I think I did the same thing with methods about, or with the with the last two uh, we want more shows where like when I first read this I was thinking this. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I know is that it's a big book, uh, bigger than I thought. So I didn't quite know that. Second thing I know that Alexander Wales wrote it slash is yes. writing it, which means I'm guaranteed to have a fun time reading it. And third Absolutely. thing, and the thing that like was the most like the strongest selling point for doing a show out of it was that you wanted to read it again for the sake of the show. And for people who aren't in the know, Inyash doesn't read things twice for the most part. That is true. I have read, I think three or four books twice in my life, as far as I can remember. And one book I've read three times because I loved it so much. Which book was that? That was Vellum by Hal Duncan. I actually have a blog post about, you know, how it's really great. Although it's also sort of a esoteric niche kind of thing. I don't think like most people will enjoy it. Uh, but I wrote up a thing about why I enjoyed it. So, you know, people who want to read that can decide if they think they'll enjoy it as well. It's it's full of not just gods in the general sense. It's literally about the Christian God. And um, it's kind of got multiple worlds. And it's it's just... It's a neat, neat story. Well, the author wrote it specifically for people like you, then it sounds. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's the. I'd probably get a kick out of it, but it's. I mean, I know that that sort of genre especially appeals to you. Yeah. Yeah. But All right. Enough of things that are not written by Alexander Wales. Exactly. We are here to discuss. Uh, so, uh, obviously, well, I guess not obviously yet, but we're not calling this. We want more candles. Um, no. <laughs> What, what is this not, show going to be called? It's not the worst name, honestly, but uh, I was thinking as a reference to something that is in the uh, novel, in the story. I don't know. Does it count as a novel? Story yet? works. Sure. Stories uh, of any length, right? Yeah. There, there's a repeating beat that, yes, yeah, stories of any length. There's a repeating beat in there where uh, the main character is told on more than one occasion that not everything is a clue. So I was thinking we could call this not everything is a clue because Turns out there's some things that aren't clues. Well, this just sounds like it's set up to troll me. I'm very excited. <laughs> You'll, yeah, it, it'll be fun. And then once we actually read that, we can be like, that's the name of the show. <laughs> and I would totally insert a uh, a pitch meeting clip right here, except that is your thing. I mean, you're welcome to do it. It, you know, the the only work involved is rewatching pitch meetings, and then like basically, if they're on in the background, I would hear like a funny quote, uh, just like make a note on my phone of like this one at this time. Oh, and, that's super smart. But I mean, uh, unless you're going to watch a bunch of pitch meetings, I don't think that that'll necessarily have to be a part of the show. So have you gone back and watched any of the really early p- pitch meetings lately? I'm sure I have seen the earliest ones. They're not as good. Like they were, they no. were more, well, well, like they were funny, but they were more um, in like the cinema sins kind of like ripping it apart rather than just having fun. Yeah. Well, not just that. I mean, it was, it was, kind of that too but i think the really big difference was that he didn't have his comedic persona yet so he was just kind of trying to deliver jokes in a sort of matter of fact way and like you said yeah sort of a ripping it apart way 
And uh, he hadn't yet discovered the whole really lean into it and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you <laughs> oh, have yeah. a movie for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, he really developed his persona. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do I need to know about Worth the Candle before we get started? Uh, let me pull up my notes here. But as I'm doing that, a thing that I've been thinking of over the last week um, – <sighs> What what do you consider a guilty pleasure? Um, like what would be your, your idea of what that means? For me, my first go-to example, I think I was asked this uh, like a year ago and the, idea, and the answer jumped right out at me, like watching reruns. Um, I, I, I've seen most of the shows I've seen, I've seen more than once. Like, like I just, they're, they're good background relaxation stuff. And I, and I feel so that's I guess an the, example. The, the guilty part of it comes out of the fact that like I could be enjoying new content, but no, I'd rather watch, you know, Santa Clarita Diet for the fourth time. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, I, for most of my life, I never really believed in guilty pleasures. Like I thought that if you enjoy something, just enjoy the damn thing. Like don't feel guilty about it. That's, that's awful. You know, it's, it's, no one should feel guilty for something doing something they enjoy that you know isn't hurting anyone. That that and, is truly my vibe as well. I was answering if I was forced to answer the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, I kind of I lived that. Like, some people would say, you know, they watch these bad movies because they're bad, and I was like, I don't understand that. I just I watch bad movies that other people call bad because I think they're good and I like them. Um, and then I came across lit RPG, and I finally understood like on a visceral level, what it means to have a guilty pleasure. Uh, so have you heard of lit RPG? Rings a bell. It's a f- moderately new genre. Uh, it is what my first exposure to it was in Fallout Equestria, which is a, as it sounds like a combination, of my little pony fallout fanfic. Um, and, as I was reading it, like it, it takes place in the world of Fallout with My Little Pony characters, but like at the end of the first chapter, uh, like it's just just playing out like a normal fanfic, right? And then at the end of the first chapter, the character, the main character, gains a level and gets a perk, just like as a footnote at the bottom. And I was like, Ur? and as like you read more and more, she keeps gaining more levels and like gaining skills and perks and stuff, and. I was like, this is really kind of neat. I, I It was fun reading something that wasn't like, it wasn't a novelization of a game like a lot of D&D novels were or like Record of Lotus War. It was, it was almost like taking the idea of a game being the real world literally. Like it, it was just a normal story, but that had this layer of RPG game elements layered on top of it. And... Like, it was fine for a My Little Pony Fallout fanfic crossover. I I didn't think anything of it. But then, um, well, as it turns out, there's a lot of people who enjoy reading things who also really enjoy playing RPG video games. And so it sort of became a a blow-up genre in the uh, sci-fi fantasy world. Uh, I don't know if it still is, because due to COVID, I haven't been in any conventions for quite a while. But uh, in the last LitCon that I was at before COVID, I was talking to an author, one of these like working mid-list authors who, you know, isn't rich or anything, but puts out two, three books every year and manages to pay bills with it. 
And yeah, the big thing that they were doing now was writing in the lit RPG genre because that's what was selling. And it just felt... I, I, I kind of felt embarrassed for the genre and embarrassed for enjoying when reading it because it felt so not not literature to have video unsophisticated exactly yes yeah i i read um and i don't know if it continued again i know that it went through like a long hiatus and i think he did another book uh like by book so it was a harry potter fan fiction called um harry potter and the natural 20 oh i remember hearing about that yeah and like the main character is transported to hogwarts from a dungeons and dragons universe and so like he thinks of like and uh, they're like he has he has ways to like cheese experience points by like uh i don't know some setting up some automata he can't use hogwarts magic um salt is very prevalent in our world and very expensive in D. so he was able to do something with that um but like the, the the conceit of the story was that like he operates on hit points and experience and okay. so where everyone else doesn't and that was like the funny part yeah um so like I, th- I think at some point he comes out of some battle, but he like just leveled up. So he's fine. Like he leveled up during the yes. fight and yeah. r- random shit like that. So is this, uh, is worth a candle, a lit RPG? It is in fact a lit RPG. And when I first started reading it and I got to the end of the first chapter and I realized it was a lit RPG, like I, I was on, on the one hand, I was kind of disappointed because I was like, Oh no, this is, this is, <laughs> I don't want to say like lower class because I don't want to sound like a snobbish <laughs> elitist asshole or anything, you know, but it was a personal embarrassment of mine, but it was written so goddamn well. I kept reading it. And after like, you know, 10 chapters, I got to the point where I think it was the same way that I never felt embarrassed about playing video games, but I know a slightly older generation of people who like still are fighting the torch, uh, carrying the torch of video games are art. And to me, just like, yeah, obviously they're art. They're, they're, I mean, not all video games, but they're a legit form of art. But these people like still get their panties in a bunch over that. And it reminds me of a lot of like how the early cinephiles would have to carry the torch that movies can be art as well. They aren't just mass entertainment for the masses. And, and now that that's accepted and it's respectable and everything, no one doubts that. But the original people like had a a thing to pick with that. And when I read Worth the Candle, I felt like the same way for Lit RPG. I was like, oh my God, this is the good breakout example of this genre that that makes it art and makes it okay to not be embarrassed. And then I was like, really embarrassed for myself. I have some hangups, dude. I mean, <laughs> we all have them. Like I, I, you know, wasn't like forthcoming with my involvement with the rationality community for the first few years. Wasn't, you know, didn't talk about cryonics, even if the subject or an adjacent subject came up. Um, oh, you, know, so you were kind like, of like embarrassed to be part of the community thing? I think I just didn't, I, I was not ready to engage with like arguments about it or something. So it wasn't quite embarrassed. It was just more like, it was it was a similar hangup. But um, like, as far as coming to realize that whatever form of, of expression can be art, like, I mean, my first fan fiction was Harry Potter and Message of Rationality. And okay. so my, my previous associations, associations with fan fiction where I knew this person who wrote like whatever the fan fiction is called, where characters are constantly having sex for the TV show Glee. And so that was literally my only association. And I thought it was just a bunch of weird perverts who <laughs> got off on reading stories about minors having sex. And so like, 
you know, it, not to say that it couldn't be done tastefully, maybe it could, but like it was not my cup of tea. And yeah. uh, that's usually called slash. Yeah. So like slash fake, I guess, but like my main, my other hang up was that I'm pretty sure the characters in Glee are in high school. And so unless they're all over 18, somehow I never read any of the stuff this person put out. So, gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. But anyway, it was uh, like, that was my like, oh, that's fan fiction. And then Julia Galef recommended Methods of Rationality. And I was like, oh no, this is fan fiction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, whatever, like I'm, I'm with you, you know, I, I, I think like anyone who gives anyone shit for things they enjoy needs to politely shut the hell up. Right. Like yeah. life's hard enough. Things are dreary enough as it is. If anyone's finding enjoyment for something that doesn't hurt people, then just kindly fuck off. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, half the reason I hope to someday be a successful sci-fi writer so that I can shove it in my dad's face and be like, see, <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I, I was ridiculed often for reading science fiction when I was young by my parent. I was going to say parents, but that's not true. My mom was like, whatever, he's reading. But it was my dad that was like, science fiction? God, wasting your time on that trash. That's silly. I know. It's, we didn't have a lot of books in the house when I was a kid. So, like, they, I think they just encouraged me to read whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I don't know. I somehow, like, developed a rebellious streak, so I never really got that upset about... I never got embarrassed about reading science fiction and somehow like lit RPG just reawakened all that. But now I don't feel embarrassed about that anymore. And I am very happy about it. And, and yeah, I, I just, I figured I would start with an introduction of, you know, lit RPG is a thing. And this is what you are going to be getting when you are reading this. Great. Yeah. I guess I don't, like I said, my only point of context might not be quite the same thing because it's not in an RPG universe. It's an RPG character in uh, a non-RPG environment. So this will be a yeah. new take for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess my only question is, I'm assuming it's it's Alexander Wales. Is it rationalist fiction? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, if the answer is not a, a semi-obvious yes, then suddenly I became less excited about doing this for the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strong yes. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just that I I keep having trouble defining exactly what rationalist fiction is, even though I know we've done an episode about it on oh, TBC. Me too. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you even brought up that, that governor or whatever congressperson quote. It's like pornography. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. Yeah, exactly. So yes, it is absolutely rationalist fiction. I okay. just, I, I don't know how Alexander Wales could write anything that isn't rationalist fiction. Maybe that's what he, I was like, thinking. Tried really hard. Yeah. But, I'm uh, sure he could put out garbage if he put his mind to it, but... <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at some point, people start asking, you know, what's the difference between rationalist fiction and just, like, good fiction with complex characters in a strongly thought-out world? And I'm like, I don't know! <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not so much concerned on the, like, where do I draw the, the definition line? It's more like, do I get a rationalist boner while reading this? And if yes, the answer is I, yes, then that's what counts. Yeah. I think I even mentioned this on one of the other shows with Brian, that, like, as far as I'm concerned, I think Mythbusters basically counts, except for the fact that it's nonfiction. Like, yeah. I get that same sort of sense of enjoyment, and like, they do like really creative approaches to solving the problems they have, and I'm like, that's so fucking awesome. Like, as long yes. as I, as long as I think that every few chapters at the very least, I'm having a good time. Yeah, you're gonna like this then. All right, I'm stoked. Cool. Okay, uh, I also was wanting to pick your brain on two points. The first one being, have you played D and D before? Or any other tabletop role-playing game? I played a campaign, or I guess, I don't know, 
a half a dozen or ten sessions of uh, what's that D and D ripoff? Uh, Pathfinder. That's the one. Okay. Um, and then I'm in a campaign now of masks, which I think is probably uh, like less well known, but it's a, it's and it's got a different kind of uh, vibe. It's less about like here's my experience points and it's my turn. It's more about like character um, interaction and stuff, but you still have uh, like the ability to level up and you still have unique moves and that sort of stuff. So you're, I guess the, the, the question is you're familiar with like the group dynamics of having a bunch of people sitting around a table with sheets of paper playing these sorts of games. Yes. Okay, cool. That's, that will make enjoying this book much, much easier. I'm not sure someone who's never played any sort of role-playing game would get quite as much out of it. I think they would still like it, but like if you've played role-playing games in the past, it'll be more significant. I find that so confusing, having no idea what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, would you say someone who enjoys games like, I mean, really any any game with an RPG element, like you mentioned Fallout, um, mm-hmm. you know, you fall around, you walk, you walk around, you get perks, you get experience, you find better weapons, that sort of stuff. Is that uh, is that a complimentary experience that might lend itself to, if you enjoy Fallout, you'll enjoy this? Yes, but it's not complete like if you haven't actually sat down in a room with people with papers and dice it's it it, the video game rpg isn't a full substitute for for understanding where this is coming from okay i mean to be clear we did it with laptops and uh oh no we actually had real dice someone brought enough for everybody so but before then and now when now we're playing masks remotely on our laptops and I just roll, I use a dice roller online. So if real dice are a requirement, I have very little experience. And honestly, come to think of it, I think even just like sitting around and playing board games is close enough that people would generally get it. And you've done that like with me because I was there for 15 weeks. That's right. You you dominated the globe. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess this is pretty much a universal experience nowadays for people. Maybe if you're a complete sports nerd who only ever does sports, you wouldn't get it, but. Well, if you do fantasy sports, you might. I mean, yeah. I don't, you, don't, you, don't have, you don't have the level up and perks factor, but you do have like the, oh, look, this person got two kicks that puts them up this much more valuable or something. Yeah, that's okay. I'm guessing. I don't know exactly how fantasy leagues work. Everything I know about fantasy football comes from the TV show The League. Is it a good show? Uh, I mean, not. Eh, it's not great. It was funny. <laughs> I mean, I watched all seven seasons of it, but like it wasn't, uh, I'm not, I can't, unless you're bored, I won't recommend it. Okay. Wow. You must've been really bored for seven seasons worth. I mean, I, I, I watch a lot of stuff, you know, not all of it good. So do you just like have it playing in the background or I know we watched it. I mean, like, I guess when you ask if something is good, I, you've got a high bar. Yes, because like, I don't watch a lot of things. Right. So, like, because I'm trying to make you watch a couple of very specific things, I can't say this was good. You should watch it because I don't want you to bump this on the list. Um, gotcha. For anyone, anyone who enjoyed, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia will enjoy this show, and that show's been running for 15 years, so people clearly are enjoying it. Is that still going? Always sunny. I, yeah. Oh damn. Okay. Yeah. It's hardcore. Yeah. All right. So D and D. Lit RPG, guilty pleasures. Um, the other thing you had to pick, my, you had two things to pick my brain about. Yeah, the other thing was okay. How do you do? You enjoy metafiction, or um, yes, 
let's see. Like, uh, how if, meta if, do you if, like things to get? If this wasn't the end of a long work day, I was going to make a joke about like, okay, well, here you and I are talking about a podcast. We're talking about a podcast that's going to be about a book that yes. is about metafic. Yes. And there's a joke in there somewhere, but I, I, I can't think of it. Um, so I give me an example. Like, I mean, so, oh, I mean, then yeah. Okay. So you're, you're like, saying you're saying where uh like and I don't want to spoil anything for WandaVision, so skip 30 seconds if you haven't seen it. And if you haven't seen it, pause it for three hours and watch all of WandaVision, then come back. <laughs> um, yes. So what in episode five or six, they uh uh Pietrov is recast as the guy from Kickass who was in Kickass, um mm-hmm. with so so was uh, the regular Pietrov, uh, Quicksilver is faster to say. But what's fun thing about this guy is he played Quicksilver in X-Men. Yeah. And recasting with that meta level is the only, only the kind of thing you can do if you're fucking Disney who just bought Fox Studios and now owns the X-Men. And so they were able to cast this other Quicksilver to play Quicksilver in a way that was confusing to the characters. And even in the episode when they're trick-or-treating, um, the kid says kick-ass. Like one of her kids says kick-ass. And she's like, yeah. kick-ass? And... Because uh, the kids swore, but to us, it's a nod that yes, both both Quicksilver's were in the movie Kickass, right? So that shit's hilarious, and I fucking love it. Okay, then good because this is, I think, the most meta piece of meta fiction I've I've read. Uh, okay, ever, which, <laughs> which is what really just set me off on the I have to I have to analyze this with someone and that someone should be Steven because gosh darn it he's awesome I'll Um, I'll do my best I mean like Methods of Rationality had its meta moments where it would talk about Harry Potter right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like I mean I'm assuming this is a level above that if it's the most meta thing you've ever read it is indeed yes okay it's I mean, this this tends to happen to art over time. I don't know. I've been thinking about it for a while. It seems to me that art is generally about what people uh, experience the most in their lives. There's a lot of art that's about falling in love because everyone has falling in love a lot in their lives and it's important to them. There's art about friendship and about loss. And, uh, you know, if you're in some professions like military, you tend to have a lot more all, uh, art that's about violence or survival. and and in our society, a lot of everybody's life, even on in you know every single day basis, is just consuming art. So nowadays, a lot of art is about other art, you know. And I mean, that's always kind of been the case. Art's always been a conversation that calls back to previous works and builds on them and comments on them. But it's just been getting it, the cycle. I think has been getting faster in the past hundred years or so, and been accelerating even more since the internet. And like we're getting to a point where I, I the the meta commentary on art is getting pretty intense, and I am really enjoying it. And this is this this falls into that uh, that genre, in my opinion, where it is it is art that is art in its own right, while also being a commentary about art and being a commentary on commentaries about art. Okay. What's fun about that is I'm basically picturing Abed from Community. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm picturing him writing a book or tell or write or making a movie about his time in the study club. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Community was amazing. There was 
and the, the level of self-awareness that only Abed could have, like it's, it's as fourth wall breaking as you can get without actually breaking the wall. Like yeah. it doesn't go full Deadpool, but there's one like in season four or five where they're, it's a, uh, they're, they're at Pierce's house cause he's stuck in his panic room and Abed finds the secret surveillance room and he's watching everybody like they're a TV show. And he's watching this and then he looks bored and he's like, I remember when the show was about a community college. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's delightful. Okay. So, uh, I'm sold. You got me on, on WandaVision and community. So. All right. Then that is what we are in for, uh, as we are going forward. And I am super excited about it. Yeah. And I mean, the only things, you know, that kind of evolve with time are, you know, like the, the dynamics for how the, you know, whatever show interactions run uh, or like the host interactions run. Um, but we've been doing podcasting together for a while. So I think we've got that pretty, pretty okay. Um, and then like the pacing. So, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do it for three years. I'm sure I'll enjoy it, but uh, I, if, if we start feeling like it's getting too slow, we can totally speed it up. Well, so that's the thing is, you know, and that'll be determined something by like our fatigue level and how long the episodes are. Right. I mean, if we do X number of words or, you know, whatever chapters, and it turns out that the episodes are consistently 45 minutes, I feel like we can grind another, you know, twice that amount, right? Um, Absolutely. So that leaves us with the question of what episodes are we doing or what chapters are we doing first? I figured we should ease in uh, and for the first one, just do the first two chapters because partly I'm thinking with it being, you know, a whole new thing from the very start, we'll probably have a bunch of things to talk about in the beginning uh, before we start having to consume a lot every week. That's a good point. And the first two chapters are still 8,000 words, so it's not like it's nothing. Right on. Yeah. All right. So chapters one and two and... The show is called Not Everything is a Clue. Hey, that rhymes. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. Well, let's see. Anything else we got to cover then? Um, a f- yeah, a few minor things. Uh, the first thing is, I guess, I don't want to hype this too much because whenever someone is too excited about something, it never lives up to expectations. This is specifically something that feels like it was a missile aimed directly at everything I love. So <laughs> I personally love the hell out of it. It might not be as awesome for everyone else, but... It's, I mean, it's Alexander Wales. It's Alexander Wales after he's had several years to refine his craft. So it's like even better than the things he's written before. Like this is, this is good shit. I I think all our listeners are going to enjoy this, uh, even if they don't like, you know, spaz out over it like I have been. I re-listened to the interview you did with him uh, after, after you finished recording the audiobook and after we finished doing the podcast for uh, Metropolitan Man. And uh, I think he, he, he mentioned, um, like releasing on a schedule was important for serial fiction. If that was your, if that was your thing. And I know that worth the candle is very popular. And if it doesn't release on a schedule, it remains popular because it's, it's maintained a, like an attractive following to people. Yes. And so that's, that speaks a lot to its, um, why did I just blank on the word? A lot that's, that speaks a lot to its, uh, Quality. Thank you. I was going to say goodness? Sure. Question mark? It's <laughs> uh. <laughs> another word for quality. Yeah. I sure. don't know why we have so many words that mean the same thing, damn it. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. We have a Patreon. 
I'm not sure how much Patreon support we're actually going to get because I assume a lot of our listeners here are people who came from the Basin Conspiracy, and that already has a large Patreon that a lot of people can, uh, you know, a lot of people do subscribe to. So I don't want to be like, hey, if you're already giving us more money, give us more money. But I've also heard you should never turn away people who are trying to give you money. <laughs> and, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll get listeners from the wider world eventually. So there is a Patreon that is up with this show as well. And uh, since Alexander Wales wrote this thing that we're all going to be looking into, we are giving him a 15% cut of everything uh, that that we pull in. Um but again, it's also not a great way to support Alexander Wales because he has his own Patreon. If you really love the story, uh, you can support him directly and he gets 100% of that stuff. So this is more like, you know, if you like our stuff and want to give us money, you can. And we'll pass some of that on to him as thanks. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I know that we set up the Patreon for Bayesian Conspiracy because I think it was after the second or third person asked, like, do you guys have a PayPal or something? Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, I guess if people feel like it, sure. Um, so, I mean... One thing, and we also suck at this on the, the Bayesian conspiracy about like rewards. Um, and that's something that, you know, either I, I guess I'm assuming isn't decided yet. I haven't seen the Patreon page. Like what I mean, other than getting the warm fuzzies of supporting a show they like, do people get anything? No. <laughs> Not, all right. <laughs> Maybe someday they will. All they get right now is fake internet levels. Perfect. You get one level per dollar that you spend per month. So <laughs> well right on um yeah i uh i don't know really what else to say other than um like i'm I'm happy to i can hang out i don't have anything to do i just meant like i i don't other than like wanting to get started reading it i don't really know what else to to say or do i mean uh Uh, there there is one other thing yeah Um, and take your time ask all the things i i'm just out of stuff oh this isn't an asking thing this is more of a um a here's an unfortunate thing uh the there is no audio version so if you are wanting to read along you're going to have to actually read along i suspect that this is going to have far more people that haven't read the book yet listening along than um than methods of rationality had so uh there probably will be a lot more people reading along and therefore also a lot more people wishing there was an audio version but uh when i was really into this like one of the things i kind of wanted to do was like oh my god I haven't done an audio project in so long. Maybe, maybe I could make an audio project of this. And obviously, since this has already been out for a long time and has a uh, big fan base, I had to Google first if someone had already done an audio project. And so I Googled uh, audio podcast uh, worth the candle. And the first thing that came up was Alexander Wales saying, I'd rather not, if uh, someone asked him, can I do an audio book for podcast version? He said, I'd really rather you didn't because I'd like to keep the audio rights. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm obviously not going to do one. Don't want to go against his wishes. This man has provided this awesome art for us and there is not one available. So anyone who wants to read along is going to have to read with their eyes. Uh, that will be a hang up for me, but I'll, I'll survive. Yeah. I, yeah. I do think it's absolutely worth it. Um, again, I know this is aimed at me directly because Alexander Wales knows the deeper recesses of my heart and was trying to get my attention <laughs> with this book. But, uh, but what I would sometimes start reading this like at 1030, just because I would often read for half hour before I go to bed, maybe 45 minutes. Uh, I had to start imposing a rule on myself that I would not start reading this after a certain time, because I would often get sucked in and then it'd be like 2, 3am and I'd be like, oh my god i'm gonna hate myself tomorrow i have to go to bed now because i couldn't stop so 
So I think if people start reading it, a lot of them are going to not mind. I mean, they're going to mind that it's an audio, but they're going to keep reading because it's it's good. Or that it's not an audio, you mean? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I enjoy reading as well. I meant that more as a joke. And I've become just so accustomed to listening rather than reading. Like for the last uh, year and a couple of months, um, I'm trying to think of a book. Oh, no, I read some books. But most of the reading I did was the uh, I re-listened to the audiobooks that you did for Metropolitan Man and Methods of Rationality. Rather than read the chapters like a person with eyes, I listened to them because it was like a different experience and I could do it while doing other stuff. And it also helped yeah. that I already read them. So I didn't have to pick up on every little detail. But no, I mean, reading's tight. I did the same thing with uh, Worm where, although I never set a rule for myself, I just kept fucking myself over where I'd be reading and then like oh shit it's one o'clock and oh shit it's 2 30 like oh my god yeah um yeah uh, this is sounds like it's going to be uh, maybe i'll be hassling you for more chapters if uh you know i'm sitting there on the edge of my seat for like a week um, if you want to hassle me hassle me and you know we can put another uh, up, up how many chapters we're doing yeah and i mean obviously too we if it takes it uh, we, we we're gonna have a cap somewhere about how much content we can cover reliably in the allotted time um, right. If our listeners are reading along, we don't want to give everyone like three hour reading chore every week. Well, and like, I don't want to, I don't want to do a five hour episode. Right. So that too. Um, yeah. And I want to do the, the content justice. That's, that's always the, and that'll be one of the fun things you get to work out. Like as the person planning this out, like, okay, how much, you know, like, yes, there's not a lot that happens. This isn't a large word count, but so much happens here or like, yeah, it's 22,000 words, but like, a lot of this isn't going to, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this. That stuff you'll be able to make the call on. So, um, all right. Well, this will be crazy. I'm looking forward to it. Hell yeah. Me too. All right. Chapters one and two. And we're recording on, are we doing Tuesday nights? I'm good with that. You want to do Tuesday next week? Sure. Same time? Awesome. No. Well, great. So I get to, I'm going to read these tonight and then be pissed that I can't read more. This will be fun. I haven't, been, I haven't I, been deliberately tortured like this with the book in a long, like probably since the Methods of Rationality chapters are being slow released. Are you planning to read them tonight? I mean, I'll start. Cool. Or All should righty. I not? Because, you know, I'll be biting I mean, my nails this, for five days. This is entirely up to you. Hmm. We'll see how it goes. Oh. Yeah. This, this is getting a little, this, see, this is the kind of meta stuff that isn't interesting. Yes, and I will cut this out then. Well, no, I mean, you can leave it in because this is uh, apparently meta is a theme of the books. So I'm just saying this, this is an example of meta done wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Which which means it's not really meta at all. It's just like boring trivialities. Just, just boring shit. Yes. Is that the cutoff? <laughs> if it's interesting, it's meta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if it's boring shit, then it's just wanking. Like if... Uh, if That's uh, a t- <laughs> Um, shit, what's his name? Uh, Abed's actor name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Daniel Pooty. Yes, that's it. Thank you. Yeah. So if, if his version of meta in community was Daniel Pooty saying what he had for breakfast that morning, right? Like that, that would be, I mean, that would be bizarre. Maybe that could be a shtick, but, uh, I don't think that's, that's meta at all though, because meta has to deal with the thing that you're talking about. Whereas just what I had for breakfast this morning isn't meta it's just a digression so what if like they're looking at their notes and he's like i actually have my lines on this sheet that would be meta that would be fourth wall breaky yeah okay i'm looking forward to dissecting this difference as we go through the story cool
All right. Oh, is it first or third person? And how many, like, or does this, this is like, answer this or not, this is just me asking random questions. Yeah. What what perspective is it? And does it jump characters around? It is first person. And the vast majority of it is just from that first person pers- perspective. Uh, I think there's a couple times it jumps to someone else's, more than a couple times. Every now and then we'll jump to a different character's perspective. But for the most part, it's just the main character in first person. Cool. Yeah, which is, I think, really kind of important if you're doing first person. You can't have a lot of first persons in a novel, it feels like to me. If you're going to have a lot of POV characters that you switch between often, it's going to have to be third person. Yeah, or you know, reads like I watch TV. So, like, your your library of, like, perspectives and thoughts on literature is like mine on television because I've seen a thousand bad shows and a hundred, you know, hundreds of good ones right so yeah um yeah i, I don't have like i so like when you're said oh you know if you're doing first person you really got to stick with a couple i'm like okay like that never would have occurred to me but i'm totally willing to take your word for it <laughs> i mean you can pull it off if you're like really skilled or something but yeah it's 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 harder generally shouldn't be your first go-to if you're going to do multiple characters do don't do first person anyways or you can be like me and go crazy and just have three different point of view types I think three is plenty, and like it worked. I've I've read part of what lies dreaming. Brian and I were both talking about that. We both have copies, and we're both shitty friends for not having read it yet. Oh, um, no, it's fine. No, no, it's not. I mean, well, I mean, it's it's fine. Like you know, it's it is what it is. But it's more just like like I, I, it's right there. I'm looking at it. It sits next to my desk. It's been there for two years since I moved to this house. And yeah, but I don't want anyone to like feel like a thing I've done is a chore for them, you know? No, no, it's not a chore. Read. It's so, so here's my thing when it comes to reading stuff. If you're like, hey, uh, let's let's do uh, what lies dreaming, I'd have I would have said, fuck yes, that's my excuse. I hate starting <laughs> new books. Uh, and maybe maybe that's part of the reason I don't like starting new TV shows, because like you've got to pay attention like at a, at an extra level and like memorize a bunch of new faces and uh, characters and plot name or plot stuff and all this and that. Where if you're watching a rerun, it's like, oh, great. I've seen this. And the jokes are just comforting because I know it's coming, right? Or you pick up yeah. all the little subtleties you missed the first time. But um, I'm like always looking for an excuse to start new stuff. So like if anyone nudges me, hey, Stephen, have you checked this out? I'm like, nope. But that's the nudge I needed. I'm into it. I think that's why I often do not rewatch and reread things. Because I really like the the new exploration, the new seeing how someone does something. What And I like like learning things and figuring out what's going on. Like I really loved the first four episodes of WandaVision where you had no idea what was happening and we're just trying to puzzle stuff out. And like, you know, I, I, the one thing I regret with not rewatching things is that, like you said, upon rewatching things, you can pick up little subtleties and things that you would have never seen the first time. There's, I mean, methods of rationality was a perfect example of that there's so much you get on a reread and I usually don't uh, do rereads, so I can sometimes miss those. Okay, uh, Patreon tier reward idea. Uh, if we hit X dollars, we'll figure it out. We will release episodes of uh, Patreon exclusive content for, or maybe not even like, so we can decide that whether it's going to be public because these people funded it, or it's going to be private because they funded it and they want to keep it to themselves. We'll do uh, an, uh, an episode per episode of WandaVision. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, then that, that'd be bonus on top of this. And that could be, you know, with other people or uh, even supporters or whatever. But like, 
you want to give me an excuse to talk about WandaVision, I'm fucking there. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of worried about the fact that, you know, if we get to that tier support by that time, there have been a hundred WandaVision analysis, analysis things out there already. Uh, so? Yeah, okay, fair. I mean, I mean that, yeah, but I'm not in any of those, so... <laughs> like I, I haven't had, I haven't had a chance to talk about it for an hour. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I that's true. It's I, but I mean, people put out content reviewing stuff the day after it comes out, right? Like it's and we'd have to find a Wandavision virgin who hasn't seen it yet. No, no. I'm not saying we necessarily have to do a a Wandavision show like this. We would just do like all right, we're gonna talk about episode one and like our thoughts on the episode at the time, and then now looking back, you know, it could be okay. I mean, I'm just pitching myself this idea that I love about talking about that show yeah. so on a meta That's level a of wandavision um falcon and the winter soldier i thought was going to be a movie and then i learned it was a tv show and i was and this is before i saw wandavision i'm like oh come on and then i saw wandavision and i'm like oh wait mcu studios or marvel studios knows how to do a tv show fuck yeah i'm in so mm-hmm. and the cool thing is a, is a tv series takes longer to watch than a movie so all right it's a win for everybody um where is the best place to read this book? The place that I read it is Archive of Our Own. Uh, it's commonly known as AO3. It is a place online that is um, actually co-run by, well, a number of really big people in in the freedom of information movement, but uh, co-run by Ada Palmer, who wrote the, the Terra Ignata series. There we go. She wrote the Terra Ignata series. Uh, she's a big free speech type person. It is basically um, a place online where anyone can publish anything and uh, they don't censor. They let you put more, um, content warnings or not as you want. It's like everything that fan fiction net should have been uh, come to life. It's it's just a great resource. But uh, that is one place it is. It's also on... Now, I'm assuming fanfiction.net is only for fanfiction, so this wouldn't work there anyway. Uh, yeah, but fanfiction.net also started doing really stupid shit. Um, uh, for example, you can't copy and paste off fanfiction.net now. Oh, yeah. I, I mentioned that during the last uh, uh, Metropolitan Man, I think. Yeah, that's that's been around for years, but it's just... They do a lot of stupid crap. Yeah, that was actually... I mean, so I got around it. You can just do Control-Option-I on a, Ma- on a Mac keyboard. I'm sure there's a Windows shortcut to open up the Chrome Inspector tools. And I just clicked where I wanted to grab and they just grabbed straight from the HTML. Because I'm like, fuck you guys. I just want this quote. I'm going to get it. And it was more out of a sense of like stubborn defiance than like... And it was actually more efficient than going to the other website. But all right. So I plan to do 100% of this reading on my phone. Uh, is, archive of, is Archive of Our Own mobile friendly? Let's find out. It absolutely is. Excellent. You can also read it at royalroad.com, which is another place that hosts a lot of online fiction for people. And I'm assuming it's on Alexander Whale's website, too. Uh, I believe his links to Royal Road, actually. Okay. Yeah, I, I Google Worth the Candle, and the first two results are Archive of Our Own, Chapter 1, and uh, Worth the Candle, Royal Road. So There we go. Which one has the prettier format? I'm just I'm just determining that for myself, and I'll tell the audience right now. Well, right now I can't figure out how to get to the first fucking chapter on. Oh, start reading. There we go. So Royal Road is so far behind. I'm passing ads left and right. Okay, so let's look at Archive of Our Own. Archive of Our Own has no ads. I just have to consent to what is the saying? They first born blood type. Yes, yes, fine. Okay, <laughs> and huzzah. All right. Yep. We're in good shape. Looks yeah. like it's going to be archive of our own for me. Cool. Royal Road has the um, 
thing that a lot of people like where you can donate directly as you're reading it. So I think that's why authors enjoy it. But it does have, yeah, advertising and all that crap. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, I need to throw Alexander some money for this too. Um, I only mentioned, uh, oh, and I got to defend myself. I saw ads when I used it on my browser because I have an iPhone and there's not good ad blocker built in. So um, yeah, you, you most people are Apple walled garden. I was having to explain to one of my coworkers. They're like, why are some customers having an issue seeing this thing? And I'm like, well, if they're running uBlock origin, it's going to block a lot of shit. And she, and I'm like, are you really running without an ad blocker? <laughs> and she's like, well, I was, but I, it would like impact some of the work stuff. And I was like, yeah, because it blocks all the annoying pop-up stuff. And, uh, this customer has like a million people who use their thing or 10 million people who use their thing. And some of them are complaining. And I was like, yeah. And if they're using the brave browser, it won't load ever. But if they're using the brave browser, they know exactly why it won't load and they shouldn't be complaining about it. Brave oh. blocks everything. Oh, really? Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. If you want a lightweight browser that I think might even block just JavaScript, like it's, and it's got all the um, ad blockiness you want built into it. I'm sure that's not technically true for every super tech person, but for the average web browsing experience that you just don't want bogged down by 400 megabytes of ads and uh, um, like locally loaded JavaScript files, then it's the way to go. So, all right, I should look into this brave, brave browser. Yeah, it's cool. All right. So I'm going to look into reading on archive of our own or Royal road. I just need to make sure that that was out there and I'm sure there'll be links in the episode description. I should have just left that to them, but now people can hear it. Oh, and I guess we should mention as well that uh, we do we are going to have channel in our Discord. We have the Basin Conspiracy Discord where we have all of our stuff that we do, basically. And there's going to be a channel, both spoilers and non-spoilers, uh, for this podcast that we're doing, which I forgot what we're calling it already. Not everything is a clue. For not everything is a clue. If anyone wants to, you know, ping us there, you know, chat with us. We, I'm not sure chat with us really works because we're kind of busy, but we'll see what you say at any rate. I'm currently at like 98% probability that everything is a clue. And this whole <laughs> adage is just there to throw me off. It, it's actually not everything is a clue. Well, that's what you would say if you're trying not to spoil it for me. So you, you haven't even finished the book yet. You know, who knows at the end, everything will have been a clue. So actually, that's a good point. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's trying to throw me off too. Yeah. Okay, so anyways, we've been going for a while, and we have read zero words so far, so at this rate, we are going to have infinity number of minutes uh, on this show. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got to start somewhere, so. All right, so same time, I'm not even sure what day this is coming out. Um, yeah, let's just keep the same schedule you had for the We Want More and We Want More Superman. Great. Um, cool. Perfect. Then, uh, yeah, same time next week. We'll see you guys on Monday. Okay, bye, everybody.